Amen. Amen. So there was this mother who was having a pretty difficult day with her two boys. And she was glad when bedtime came. And it wasn't easy, but she managed to get them to their room and, and uh, into their beds. And she went on back to her room and she changed clothes. She put a robe on. She went back into uh, her bathroom and she washed her hair. She put her, her hair up into a towel and she was uh, putting cold cream on her face when all of a sudden she heard what sounded like World War III breaking out in her boy's bedroom. So she goes back into the room. At this point, she's exhausted and she's a little upset with what's happening. And she grabs both boys and she puts one in one bed. She puts one in the other. She tells them that it's time for bed. She turns off the light and in a fairly stern way, she closes the door. To which one of them asks the other, who was that? (laughs) This morning is, of course, Mother's Day. And we come wanting to give a tribute to moms, knowing that your job has not been easy. There are days like that one which are uh, very difficult and exhausting. And yet uh, we know that as, as followers of Jesus Christ, that, that we can come today thanking God for you and honoring you. And so uh, we come uh, recognizing also that, that Mother's Day can be a hard day. There may be some in our midst who look back and, and uh, maybe you've, you've lost your mother in the last year or you're, you're missing uh, her companionship. Uh, and so we, we, we know that for, for, for some of us it could, be, it could be a hard day as well. And so we pray for, for God's uh, mercies to be, to be close to you as well. This morning, we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 31 in honor of Mother's Day. And if you look at the beginning of the chapter, you'll see that the passage is written by someone identified as King Lemuel. And we don't know anything about him. There's not anything else that's been recorded in Scripture about who he was or anything else that, that he wrote. But this seems to be the, the classic Scripture passage when you think about giving a tribute to godly women, or when you want to give honor to, uh, to godly moms or the excellent wife. And so uh, today that will be uh, our goal, is to, is to look to Proverbs 31. We know that throughout the book of Proverbs there, is, there are uh, quite a few words about character and about people in general and about relationships. In fact, if you go through the beginning of the book of Proverbs... You'll see, particularly in chapters 5 and 6, that there, is, there are some warnings about the wrong kind of women. Uh, those whose lips drip with honey, those who lead to, to, to destruction. And yet as you continue on through Proverbs, you know that there are godly women that are also uh, affirmed and, uh, and, and, uh, and in, a, in a very real way uh, given tribute. In fact, Proverbs chapter 12 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. And a few chapters after that, in Proverbs 19, it says a prudent wife is from the Lord, seeing this as a a gift, she being a gift from God. So all the way through the book of Proverbs, we are given wisdom and instruction. And uh, uh, as we look at, at, at Proverbs 31 about the excellent wife, who indeed is a gift from God, I pray that it will be an encouragement. Now, I almost left the scripture reference out of today's message in the bulletin. I thought about it and thought, maybe I won't put that one in there. Do you know why? Because Proverbs 31 is one of those passages that can fill a mind with anxiety, right? You've read through Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31, and, 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 and I think that there are times that you could read through that and you could walk away a little bit discouraged, right? 
I was talking with some of the, uh, the ladies uh, this morning who were in, uh, in the nursery and they were watching the kids and we were talking a little bit about this passage and, and uh, one of them indicated, yeah, that, that one can be pretty overwhelming as you read through all that's there. Uh, you might say that does not describe a woman. It describes someone like superwoman when you read through all the different things that she's credited to have done. But a few years ago when I was preparing uh, uh, a, a thought on, uh, on, on this passage, I came across something that really put it all together because I avoided that, this passage for that very reason. There would be times that I would not, I would not look at Proverbs 31 um, because I didn't feel like it, could, it, it, was, it was all that encouraging. Uh, but as you look at it for the way in which it was written, you get a different perspective of Proverbs 31. Verses 10 to the end of the chapter are an acrostic. And so we're reading it in the English language, so we don't quite get the, the, uh, the full picture here. But in the Hebrew language, these verses start with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And there are 22 verses that correspond in order with each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So this is something that the Holy Spirit inspired this man to write as a tribute, as something to give honor to his wife. And so it, it wasn't meant to, to be read as a day in the life of a particular person. It was a reflection of a man recognizing all that his wife had done, who she was, her character, and her godliness. And so thinking of it in that perspective really gives it, gives it a, a, a better understanding to how, how it was meant to be read. John Piper, uh, Pastor uh, in Minneapolis, said about this, he said, it's like the author is stringing pearls with each verse being another pearl added to the necklace. He says that this author has set himself to the task to praise the woman who fears the Lord. To do this, he thinks of 22 praiseworthy things to say about her. From the book Love That Lasts, When Marriage Meets Grace, the authors describe this fresh understanding of Proverbs 31 as being very encouraging. This is what uh, one of them writes. She says, No longer do I read this passage and say, Boy, do I fail on multiple accounts. Instead, it has helped me realize this portion of Scripture was constructed with praise in mind and that I too can think of what is praiseworthy in this section of Scripture and be inspired. Knowing that if I don't sow or buy my food from merchant ships or dress in fine linen, I can fear the Lord and seek to do what is praiseworthy before Him. She goes on to say, If I posture myself to work on the beauty within, to fear the Lord, and rise to the example of this woman, at the very least, I know I have sought to be a woman after God's heart and not a product of Woman's Day or Cosmopolitan. In conclusion, she says, No longer is Proverbs 31 a list of impossible dreams, but instead it is now poetry created to inspire me. So do you see the point here? Rather than this being a passage that causes one to think about ways in which they might be falling short, instead it is a passage to inspire with the breadth and scope of the woman's life and to see how it is all rooted back into her walk with God. So while the, the, the text does have some verses that give emphasis to a woman being a wife or being a mother, I would commit to you, and I, and, I, and I hope the aim of this message today, is that it will impact all of the women who are present. 
whether married or single, with or without children, thinking of this as an acrostic, a string of pearls, celebrating and giving tribute to the excellent woman. But I also think that there are many that are here that would say, well, that kind of cuts me out then because I'm a man. This passage must not mean anything for me. And I would say, no, it does mean something for us. It gives us a great example of one who took time to show appreciation and use words, legitimate words, to give honor, honor and uh, and and uh, uh, an appreciation to one who was was uh, was in his life. And so I think as men we we can learn from that and to see that as, a, as an example for us to give words of, of honor and praise. I know that there are some that that are here that that that, uh, that are young women. And the young women today, they, they have a lot of different examples out there that they are, are struggling with, with in terms of identity. Do I, stro- do I, do I follow the, the pattern of this person, this, this famous actress, or this, or this, uh, uh, this person that, that, uh, that, is, that is in the news? Do I, do I follow the pattern of this, this person that's held up in my school as being popular? All these patterns... All the examples that are out there. And yet the, the Bible comes alongside and gives a different perspective. One that's not of this world. One that is of His Word. And so I hope that today, even the young women that are present can look and say, this is the type of person that I want God to create me to be. And for young men that, uh, that, that, that may someday be looking at, at a dating relationship or at marriage. To, to, to put your heart upon, upon the type of woman who is spoken of here in Proverbs 31, as opposed to the one that is described in chapters 5 and 6. Because again, you'll see a lot of different, different types of people. And I think God's Word gives us truth in order to, to guide us as well as to protect us. And so I, I hope that, that uh, each of us this morning are able to look to the Word of God and see that it's alive and that it has instruction for each of us, but particularly encouragement for the ladies that are with us. We're going to look at five descriptions of a godly woman. And the first one is this. It's strength. And I take this from the very first uh, line in the acrostic, which is found in verse 10. It says, An excellent wife who can find... And this word excellent in verse 10 is translated in different ways throughout the Old Testament because it's used multiple times. Sometimes it's translated strength. Sometimes it's, it's uh, translated valiant or able or capable. It's speaking of moral strength but also ability. In fact, the Septuagint, which is the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, starts off with verse 10 uh, not saying an excellent wife, but saying, a woman of force. You like that translation? A woman of force? I can think back to my childhood and remember dealing with a mother who at times was a woman of force, right? But we're talking here about true strength, godliness, virtue. And I will say that amidst a culture that is very confused about gender and male and female and what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman, I would say that it does take strength today to purpose yourself to be someone who follows after the Word of God. It's not easy. The path of least resistance is the path of weakness. It's the path of saying, I will just accommodate myself and my my values and my morals and my identity to what is produced in Hollywood or what is is before me with, with other examples. It's true strength that says, no, 
I'm not going to allow myself to be influenced by those models, by those examples. I'm going to look to the Word of God. And I will tell you, women, young women, that's not the easy path. It does take strength to have that type of, of godliness or valor. Or maybe the better word is virtue that is being described here. Yes, this type of strength is really a force, but it's also a treasure. Look at the end of verse 10. It says, she is far more precious than jewels. Here's where part of the honor is given, saying, this is just how precious my wife, my mother is to me. This is the, this is the way that I receive the gift from God, whom she is, by recognizing her true value. So yes, you see, first of all, her strength. Secondly, let's look at her character. You can read verses 11 through 22. Let's look just at the beginning of verse 11 to start with. It says, the heart of her husband trusts in her. And so this is speaking a little bit of her character. Because for the husband to trust her, he must have confidence in her, right? That he has confidence in who she is and, 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 and where she is going in life and how she is, is conducting herself. That he has absolute confidence and trust in her. Other aspects of her character. Verse 13. And again, knowing that this was written in ancient times, we have to, we have to keep that in mind as we read through some of these descriptions. But we know that the, that the character can still be the same. As you look at verse 13, it says, She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. And so speaking of her productivity, what she is doing with her life, using the time that God has given her to, to, uh, to, to bless others, to give back and to, to, uh, to assist, uh, in this case, her family. Notice the word willing, willing hands. It speaks of a, of a desire or even pleasure. That in the works of her hands, there is pleasure in the way that she is, she is uh, 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 assisting those around her. It's talking here about her character and about the motivation that she has to do this out of her own heart. Let's look at a few verses here. Verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Verse 14, she is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. Now, someone after the first service told me that that was kind of like uh, drive through service. I, I don't know if that's exactly what it's speaking of here. Verse 15, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. So as you read through this chapter, this is a good example. You would say, Pastor, this is not even humanly possible, right? To get up that early and not even put your lamp out at night. And I mean, what is this? Buying and selling and all these things. And I would just say, we're not talking about a 24-hour period here, right? We're talking about a husband who's thinking about what his wife has put her time and energy to, the contributions of her life. And he's, he's honoring her for that. And he's writing this acrostic to give her tribute. So I hope that you will find it encouraging as well. As you see the great latitude which this woman has, her husband obviously is understanding the God-given ability that she has and, and he's, he's honoring her and encouraging her, applauding her as a God-given compliment to him and to the family. 
As you continue reading through, you see verses like we read, verse 19 or verse 24, that that speaks of her ability to make garments and clothing and things. And so the bottom line is you read through this and you see that she can do a multitude of things, that she's multifaceted, multi-talented. And and even if we're not working daily with a spindle in our day, well, although I know that some might be, I think you could also look back and say, well, we are involved in many things. And whether it's a, a mother working with her children and, and, and helping them after school with homework or getting them, transporting them to different places, providing for their daily needs, sometimes being the counselor, sometimes being the doctor, sometimes being the, 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 the judge. I mean, all the different hats and roles that a, that a mother would wear. Being a mother is obviously demanding work. It's exhausting. But again, this passage was written long ago to the demands of that day. And we can think today of the demands and the responsibilities which mothers are being faced with. And it can be exhausting. There were two boys who wanted to give a, a plant to their mom for Mother's Day. And so they decided they'd save up a little bit of money. And they went over to the store and they found one that they thought would be just perfect. And so they brought it home and, and they presented it to, uh, to their mom. And, and the oldest boy was describing their, their purchase. He said, when we saw this bouquet, we immediately knew that we wanted to buy it. So the mother took a closer look and read the ribbon on the side that said, Rest in Peace. And the little boy said, Yeah, we looked at that and we thought it would be perfect because you're always asking for a little peace so that you can rest. We know that life can be exhausting. It can be trying. And uh, oftentimes we don't even recognize all that's done, even in, the, in, a, in, a, in a given day. So as we think about her character and we think about her trustworthiness, uh, there's one other aspect that I want to point out about her character, and it's down in verse 20. It says, She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. And as I was thinking about that verse this week, I thought, you know, this really is an example of the character of God that's being expressed through a woman's faith and through her, through her godliness. And as, 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 as I was thinking about that, I thought, how many different ways does a godly woman express the character of God? In thinking about those who are in need, yes. And helping those in need. But think of all the other ways in which she can exhibit grace, or which she can exhibit uh, assistance, words of wisdom. All the things that, that, that you see uh, through the life of a godly mother, you say this, this is part of, of God at work in her and living life through her. So this is part of that, that, that character that's, that flows through her walk with Him. And I thought, you know, there's several scriptures that even, that even talk about God caring for His people, whether you're thinking back to the Old Testament time and Him caring for the people of Israel or thinking about today and Him caring for the church that there is even analogies to motherhood that are used. Things like Jesus saying, how I wish I could gather you all together as he looked out over Jerusalem. You think back into the Old Testament times of, of God providing uh, care for, for the people. And uh, we see that, that, that again, with a, with a godly woman, that her character comes and flows out of the heart that she has for God. So we see strength, we see character. Thirdly, we see influence. The excellent woman, the godly woman, has influence. She has an impact upon those who are around her. Much of this, the emphasis here is upon her husband and upon her children, but we know that that, that influence is, is very wide upon all whom she encounters. 
Think for a moment about her husband. It says here in in verse 23, and again, if you look at verse 23, it's a little different language than what we might use today. But he obviously is a man who is, who is, is respected by others in the community. He's been given and, uh, uh, positions of, of influence himself. It says in verse 23, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So you, you can take away from that that he was a respected person, that, that he, had, he had a success, if you will, in his life. But he's the one pinning this, Right? And so it's as if he's understanding the influence that she has had upon him to be the man that he is, even in his, in his life, in his achievement. It's with her support and help that he's able to put into practice the gifts that God has given to him, that, is, that God has given him. Someone has said, and you probably have heard this, behind every good man is a great woman. Have you heard that? Is that new for you? Yeah. I, behind every good man is a great woman. But I also heard someone say, Behind every good man is a great woman and a greatly surprised mother-in-law. <laughs> All the way back to the Garden of Eden, we see a principle that is demonstrated. And it's a principle of interdependency. Adam needed Eve. God looked at Adam and and recognized that that there was a void in his life. And he created Eve. In fact, she was referred to in one way as a a helpmate, as a support. And that, that in no way is meant to be a derogatory word. That's meant to be a picture of completeness of the husband and the wife and the need that they had one for the other, which continues even to this day. Because that was part of God's design. And we live in a day in which the design of God is being questioned. Where all the way up to the Supreme Court of our land, people are are arguing over a definition of marriage. Husband, wife, what's the the, the plan, what's the picture, what's the need uh, for marriage? And uh, and as you go back all the way to the beginning, you see this idea of, of mutually interdependent husband and wife, one for the other. There's part of the influence. The husband also recognizes the influence upon the entire household. Look down at verses 26 and 27. It says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household. We can stop right there. You can see that she's looking after the affairs of the family. She's understanding what's going on. She's involved. And it says here that she's giving wisdom. You see, the idea of, of what she is teaching, what is she is sharing with her children and with her husband. It even uses the word teaching, uses the word wisdom, the word kindness. And maybe even this morning you're able to think and remember something that your mother or maybe that your grandmother had said to you, had taught you, had demonstrated for you, that she, was, that she too was concerned about the well-being of her family. And God was using her to impart wisdom. That is part of her influence. I would contend that the mother is the source of the greatest amount of influence upon a child. William Ross Wallace said it this way, and I'm sure you've heard this before. He said, For the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. You say, What do you mean by that? He's talking about influence, recognizing the mother's influence from the very beginning and how that will shape a child and a child's future. 
He understands this influence. Abraham Lincoln did as well. He said, I regard no man as poor who has a godly mother. And you can think about Abraham Lincoln and and his wisdom and, and him recognizing the gift of motherhood and her influence. You can think about this from, a, from a, the perspective of a mother, but also a grandmother. And the, the, the wisdom and the, the influence that a grandmother can have upon her grandchildren. Again, something that should be honored and appreciated just as it was in this portion of Scripture. So we've seen strength, character, influence, and that leads us to number four, reward. Would you look with me at verses 28 and 29? It says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also... And he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. What a great picture for us as people of God to see that it is part of God's plan for us to give words of affirmation and words of blessing one to the other. Now, honestly, that's something that that we can see in times of, of remembrance We can see them and in times of things even such as funeral services, right? Where we come together and we recognize the influence that a a mother or a father, grandparents had upon, upon a family. But here we see someone that's not waiting until then, but giving a word of blessing and affirmation. I think that that it honors God when we honor the gifts that He's given us, and when we treat them with the respect and the value in which he intends. And I think it comes through right here in verses 28 and 29. I heard about a little boy who was uh, participating in a play at church. You know, a couple weeks ago we had, had a, a, a musical here and kids had to learn a lot of lines, right? And you may not have known it, we had people off to the side here and here and some up front. They were ready just in case someone kind of stumbled on a line, right? To, to kind of prompt them and give them a cue. Well, this little boy had a line. He had a scripture verse that he had to share. And uh, he was so nervous that he was going to forget. And uh, his mom was a little nervous too that he might forget. And so she sat up on the front row. And uh, when it was time for him to, to, to give his line, he looked up at the crowd and it was like deer in the headlights. He had not a clue what he was supposed to say. And so finally he saw his mom and she's mouthing the words of the scripture verse and he didn't quite get it. And, and so she whispered, she said, I am the light of the world. And so he, oh, yeah. And so he stood back and he smiled and he said, my mother is the light of the world. <laughs> I think we would all agree that a godly mother is the light of her home the light of her family. And so I think it's appropriate for us today to give her that reward and to give her that appreciation. Well, let's look finally at verse 30. Number five, here's the secret. Here's the secret. Would you look at verse 30 with me? It says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. There is a lot that could be taken out of that verse right there. I'm looking at it this morning as the secret behind everything else, right? I've touched on that already. That, that walk with the Lord that she has, that faith in God that she possesses, that, 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 the, the, that her life is an overflow of that relationship. But young women, young men, hold on to a verse like this. Because this is not the definition that you're going to hear the world give you. But this is the definition that I think could help you to navigate those relationships and to seek what God has in store for your identity. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is what? Vain. But a woman who fears the Lord 
is to be praised. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive, that it ministers, that it teaches and guides. And Lord, today we thank you that it affirms and encourages. And I pray specifically, Lord, for the mothers and grandmothers among us, the women who are present, that you would use your word today to build up and to bless, that you would use it to guide and direct and to affirm. We thank you so much for the the women of our church family. And Lord, we don't say it enough to you or to them, but how appreciative we are, how blessed we are. And so we come on this day thanking you for them and asking for your continued blessing upon them. We pray that you will continue to guide and direct us this day. May you be at the forefront of our thoughts. Even as we give back now with tithes and offerings, we remember that you have been one who has provided. And we're blessed to be able to give back to you a portion of what you have blessed us with. And we ask that you will take these gifts now and use them for your glory. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.